thing I did want to um, I did want to say I don't know if uh, if you guys saw on social media or not, but um, our pastor uh, this week won the Excellence Award for Child Abuse Investigation for Dallas County. kids down the hall, so he's not even in the room. So uh, you're going to have to tell him later how proud you are of him, but um, it uh, it's, it's stuff like that that really, um, I, like, I just think is really cool. It makes me really proud of, uh, of our pastor to see stuff like that, that, that he's living out a calling beyond just here. Um, and I can, I can tell you guys that um, occasionally we'll get emails from people and they're like hey we're a group of like local pastors and we like to to get together and encourage each other and like pray with each other and just talk about what we're doing and it's a really awesome time we hope you guys can join we meet thursday mornings from 10 to noon and it's like yeah like we're not ever going to make that like i talked to my financial advisor i'm gonna be able to retire at 83 so if you guys just hang on just keep sending the emails like we'll get there um but uh and I'm like, I, and I, you know, in those times, I'm like, man, I like, I wish I had more time to do this or that. And I like, I'll need something from Tim and I'll pick up the phone and I'll call him. And I know that he's not going to answer, but he'll like, we will eventually at some point in the week talk and I'll say, man, how's it going? He's like, well, I, you know, I got called out Tuesday and I, like, I haven't been home yet or something like that. And so, um, you can be you can be really proud of, of your pastor for following his calling here at our church, but also uh, out there in the world. Um, so that that's something that uh, is exceptional about us, and I wanted to, to call attention to that. So you can tell him uh, later today that uh, that you're proud of him and uh, help him build a bigger trophy case for more trophies. But <laughs> uh, let uh, let let's pray, and then we'll dive into it. God, thank you for giving us a place where we can come and worship you, where we can come and draw close to you. God, I pray that we wouldn't uh, let our time slip away as we open your word, that we would hear what you have for us, and then as we continue in worship, that, that we would just not miss this opportunity, that we wouldn't get caught up with what's next or what's coming, but that we would be present and be focused and that we would be here with you. You say where, where two or more you're, are gathered, you're here, and I pray that we don't miss that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this morning, um, I want to start, like, I want to start with a question and then I'll end with a question. The first question I'm going to start with is, have you ever lost something? Like, is this, like, we've, like, we're already tracking. This is good. Um, I can, like, I can assure you that, like, things get lost quite often, and me, like, I'm a very, like, like, uh, I'm, I'm a person of routine, so my stuff goes in the same places every time, and so when I lose something, it truly is, like, a disaster, because I will have no idea where it is, because if it's not in its place, place, then... I'm at, like, we have to get a new one. I'm at a loss. <laughs> like, so, like, I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever lost something. I can tell you that if you've ever gone um, on a trip with teenagers where you put them on a bus and you stop somewhere at, like, a fast food restaurant to let them eat, one of them will throw away a retainer. 
Like, that's the rules. Like, I don't know how they pick the person that does it, but one of them absolutely will, and you'll have to go through all the trash to find the retainer. Um, and, like, people lose things of, of very value. I, at one point in my life, I worked on a golf course, and I worked in a pro shop. And golf is a frustrating game. And um, people tend to, uh, when they hit a bad shot, uh, throw their clubs. This, this thing happens, and some people uh, get especially passionate and throw their clubs into a pond. And uh, upon later investigation, realize that they regret like that that initial choice, and so they like it was quite a regular occurrence to have somebody come into the pro shop and be like, "Hey, do you have like an old pair of swim trunks or something like that that I could wear?" To, I'm I like I lost the grip was wet on my club and it slipped. It's like oh yeah on 18 yeah cool like, and. Uh, and so, like, for this purpose, we kept a, like, a pair of swim trunks to let people do that. We also kept a Speedo, which was what the, would be the initial offering of, like, and so, yeah, actually, I do. would come out with the Speedo. At one point, um, a gentleman, middle-aged gentleman who um, shopped in the Husky section of, uh, of the department came in and, and asked this, and I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Hang on a second. And I came back. I came back with the Speedo. And you, at this point, it's he's like, oh, man, I can't do that. Everybody laughs. I go get the real swim. He just grabs him, turns around, <laughs> walks, and then, like, three minutes later, you see him walking down the 18th fairway. Like, he's just headed down there. like, And uh, they were just left on the mailbox. Like, it, um, so you can, uh, you can understand losing something. We've all felt that, and, like, but have you ever lost something like of of value, something really important, something that you're like, I like, I can't lose this. I have to like, we have to stop and find it right now. Like this has to be resolved, and that that's what we are going to be talking about today. So if you will uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 as we continue uh, our study of parables, and we'll be in verses 10 through 14 today. Um, and as we as we kind of turn the corner as the summer ends. We really only have this week and, and next of parables, and then we'll wrap up uh, Labor Day weekend, our, our series. And so these last two are, are, really, um, are really the focus of, of what we should be about. We're talking about the lost sheep today, and next week we'll talk about the prodigal son. And, uh, really, if, you, if you've missed everything else up to this point, grab on to these two. Uh, so let's read together, Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. See that you not, do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than any other more than the other 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father, that <clears throat> Father in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Amen. Amen. So we see in this parable um, a couple of things, and, and one, um, just to kind of, of set the context of, of what's going on here, Jesus is having this conversation, and he's having a conversation with religious leaders, and, and he, is, he is trying to teach them, like, the value 
of people. And so you see throughout this chapter, if you read chapter 18, that he continues to discuss and, and we're constantly compared, uh, especially in this, uh, to children. Uh, and, and in this particular parable to sheep. And uh, this idea of children here are little ones like uh, Jesus isn't, isn't talking about only children as in young children, but he's talking about people. And he's addressing these religious leaders because they were supposed to be the leaders. They were supposed to be the ones caring about people and, and shepherding the people to God. But instead, they were judging the people and, and condemning them. And so this chapter, Christ is laying out the value of people to God. And so that's what this parable is about. And so he's saying, like he is saying, like these little ones, these sheep, and we're often compared in that way. We're compared to uh, to children and to sheep as and God as our Father, because that's where that's where we find ourselves. And sheep is is, a, is an apt comparison. I uh, I don't know if you know much about sheep. I know a little bit. I've never owned sheep, uh, but I've. I, I have lived in, in the country and have been around people that, that have sheep, and uh, they are difficult animals to care for. And mainly, like, like, the great difficulty in caring for them is that they are afraid of everything. You can literally scare a sheep to death. Like, I, uh, I know of, of a guy, and when he was a kid, a sheep was, like, coming around the corner, and he jumped out and scared it, and the sheep had a heart attack and died. That's how afraid they are. Like uh, a shepherd has to be careful about the water that their sheep drink because if the water splashes up on a, onto a sheep's face, it will get so scared it won't be able to move and it can actually drown in the water that it's, that it's trying to drink. It comes to this, to this place of paralyzing fear. And so this story that's laid out is of this shepherd that goes and, and he, he gathers his sheep together and he knows I have 100 sheep but there's only 99 that are here. And if you, um, like, gathering together like this, so when I did live in the country, we worked cattle a lot, and um, it would be a frequent thing for us to go, like, okay, we're going to move, like, we're going to move the cattle from, from this section to another section, or we're going to bring them all in, get them all their shots and everything. And so you're constantly, like, you're constantly going out and checking on them and counting, right? And you're counting, and there's usually a couple people, like, how many did you get? How many did you get? That's different other numbers. We need to count again. And so on and so forth. But in this scenario, like, it was common for a shepherd to, at night, take a sheep to either a pen or, like, a, like a goalie, a place that they couldn't get out. And then one by one, he would have them walk by and would count them to know how many he had. And so this shepherd has realized that one of my sheep is missing. And this isn't just a... You know, for, like for me, when we worked cattle, if, if one of the cattle was missing, it's like, okay, well, like it's a fenced-in area. You just go, like, you just go find it and bring it back. It's a little more work, but it's not that big a deal. But this is different. Like, there aren't fences and, and boundaries. They're up on mountains. Um, we see uh, in First in Samuel when David, uh, right before he is going to go fight Goliath, he says, let's go fight Goliath. And they're like, no, that's too much. And he says, listen, when I was a shepherd... Like a lion came and tried to steal one of the sheep. A bear came and tried to steal one of the sheep. And I fought them. If I can fight them, I can fight Goliath. So they're, like the danger is real. Like it, it's out there. And it's, it's not this idea of just like, oh, well, you just go out and find it. Like it's these mountainsides. And, 
uh, with crevices and stuff where sheep can fall into. And again, those sheep being so scared, like there's not, they're not going to self-rescue, right? If you, if you put a dog or a horse or something like that out, like they'll probably find their way home on their own. But a sheep will get scared and lost and alone and just be petrified and just be there, out there, powerless to do anything. So you have to go find it. You have to go out and seek it. And that is what God is doing for us. God searches for us. In Psalms chapter 100, verse 3 says this, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep of his pasture. He made us, and, and he cares about us, and he is the one that comes out and searches for us, just like this parable says. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says this, He will tend his flock, like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. It's this idea of him gathering us up in his arms, and and how does he do that? There's there's a long road in God searching for you, and it's going to take a little bit of time for us to walk through it. But I want you I want you to clearly see what it took. For you, when you were lost, for God to come find you. Because it started this way. It started with sin in the garden with Adam and Eve, and we were separated from God. That's the point at which we became lost, right? We're separated from God. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're out there. And then sin had its effect on the world, and it came to this place where everyone in the world was evil except for one person, and that person was Noah. And God saved Noah, and he destroyed the world, and, part, and the first step of his redemptive plan was with one man, Noah. And then from there, Noah and the ark, and, and the world became populated again. And then in Genesis 22, we see God make a covenant with Abraham. And so he then moves from this covenant with Noah, where he had him build the ark, and he made a covenant with one man. He made a covenant with Abraham and it was a covenant with a family. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I'm going to start with this family. And Abraham, he calls him to go up on the mountain and offer up his son Isaac. And that's where we ended our series in Genesis. If, uh, if you weren't here, you should go back and listen. It was great. And God calls him to go offer up Isaac. And, and Abraham's like, I don't get it. But he comes up and, and Isaac says, hey, dad, like we forgot the ram. And Abraham says, God will provide. God will provide the sacrifice. And when Abraham was faithful, and then God sent his angel to step in and stop him from killing, and God said, I'm going to provide the sacrifice. And so the next step was with a family. And then the step after that, we see Moses in Exodus chapter 2. God calls Moses to lead out the nation of Israel out of, uh, out of Egypt. So God has moved from a covenant with a man to a covenant with a family, and now he's making a covenant with a nation. And the nation of Israel was born, they, be, like, they went into Egypt as a family and then became captive and they were slaves. And God brought them out of that as a nation. And they, they became a nation when God makes this covenant with Moses. He makes a covenant with a nation. And then we see it with David. In 2 Samuel, David said, God, you made me king and I have this palace, but I, like, I want to build, like, build a temple for you. And God said, well, you're not going to build a temple for me. Your son will, but... 
I'm going to establish your house. And through your house and your descendants, I'm going to reach the world. And so it wasn't this God searching for you wasn't this step of, of this one-time thing, but it was this progression from a man to a, to a family, to a nation, to the world, and from the descendants of David came Jesus. And that's where we find ourselves today. That's why we're here is because God progressively searched further and further and further and wider and wider and wider until he found you. Now we started with a question, and we're going to end with a question. I asked you if you lost something, now I'm going to ask you, have you lost someone? Now we all have somebody in our life that we've lost, and that person that you can't get back to, and how much would you give, and how far would you go, and how much would you be willing to take on if you could just get back to that person? If you could bring them back, if you could have one more day with them, one more time with them, one more dinner with them, whatever it is, wherever you are, if you could get back to that person, what would you do? Where would you go? How far would you go? And then I want you to listen to this. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is how much God loves you. That is the length at which God is willing to go for you. That when sin broke the world, he would set a plan into place that would take thousands and thousands of years and thousands and thousands of faithful followers so that one day he could get back to you. That he would give his son so that your relationship with God would be restored. That's how much God loves you. And I'm, I, like, I want you to know that about you, about you, about yourself. That God put this, place, this plan in place, and he walked these steps out, and he did all these things so that he could get back to you. So that he could find you out there, lost, alone, afraid, too scared to move, and he could pick you up take you back because he's our shepherd I'm going to read one more thing and then we're going to continue to worship Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and, you staff, and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that, that you are our shepherd. God, thank you that when we were lost and alone and petrified, thank you that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that you saved us. That you came out and you left everything behind to come get us, to display your love for us. 
God, I pray that we wouldn't lose sight of that. I pray that the reality of that would change us and shape us and, and give purpose to our life. In Jesus' name.